is a special Sunday. It's an exciting Sunday. I'm not preaching, so that's good. But Mr. Bill Allison will share the word uh, for us today. So will you please help me welcome Bill. Now, Bill is up. A, a, a great friend and a brother in Christ. And when I grow up, I want to be just like him. So take it away, Bill. Can you hear me, Tess? I had to get... He's 10 years older than me. <laughs> First thing I did was lie in the pulpit, so pray for my soul. <laughs> a missionary was taking the gospel out to uh, the unknown parts where the gospel had never penetrated before. A tribe way, way out in the jungle. He was a newbie. He was a, he was a fresh from seminary. And uh, he had his little machete and he was making his way through the, the jungle and his Bible in his hand and he was going to go meet that tribe. And uh, somewhere along the line, he made a very um, novice mistake. He came, he was in the jungle where he was protected and, and things couldn't see him. But he came into a clearing and he walked out into the clearing without thinking twice. And oh my goodness, wouldn't you know it? You know how Discovery Channel shows you lions and stuff and how they hide in those bushes and those, that tall grass and stuff like that? They just wait for something to come by. That's exactly what happened. The old boy just walked by and this huge lion just midair just pounced toward the missionary. The missionary did what I think every true man of God would do. He ran for his life, <laughs> screaming like a little girl. And uh, as he realized there's no way I'm going to be able to outrun this lion in the lion's territory and I'm just a human, there's no way I can even deal with this guy. So he started thinking about all the training he had. He had uh, regular college. He got a bachelor's degree, a master's degree in div, MDiv at a cemetery. seminary. And um, he, was, he was thinking, what did I, where was Lions 101? Nobody, there's no such thing, right? He was thinking, I could do, I can parse Greek and Hebrew, but I don't know anything about Lions. And uh, he was thinking, I'm in big trouble. And so he was running and he realized he's not going to be able to outrun that lion. That lion was closing in on him, and so the only thing that he could think of was an old Bugs Bunny cartoon, and he played dead. And uh, that lion came upon him and just began to sniff him all over and just kind of sizing up his meal. And that's when the theology training kicked in. The boy said, I have to pray because this lion's going to eat me if I don't. He said, dear Lord, Please let this lion be a Christian lion. <laughs> hey, let's cut him some slack. He's under pressure, all right? Please, Lord, let this lion be a Christian lion because he certainly wouldn't eat a missionary. And it was about that time he heard the lion pray, Heavenly Father, thank you for this food I'm about to receive. <laughs> it all depends on your perspective, the missionary or the lion, right? It all depends on your perspective. But check this out. Church, Sunday morning, it all depends on your perspective. I want you to think about this. There's a lot of people, not as many as I'd hoped, around the world, around the United States of America, uh, going to church. There's less and less people actually going to church these days. And, and that's sad. But I want to tell you something that I think is kind of sadder. It's possible to drag your weary bones out of bed to go to church on a Sunday morning, which, by the way, smart move on the 11 o'clock service. Yeah. You, nobody can say I slept in. That was brilliant. Somebody's thinking here. And so think with me for a moment. The sad part of it is maybe they did go to church, but they missed God. 
it's possible to be in church a lot and miss God. So that raises the question that I want to work through with you today from a passage of Scripture. The question that I want all of us to kind of engage today is simply this. How can you and I know if we're just playing church and going through religious motion or we are encountering God in a powerful way? What are you interested in, just going through church emotions or encountering God? So let's figure out how we can tell whether we're just playing church or whether we're encountering God. To do this, you're going to have to go to the book of Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah tells his story about how he, a religious Jew, went through all the Jewish motions that the Old Testament required, which are a lot, and he tells the story about the day he quit being religious and he encountered God and what happened to him, I think we'll see four things that will help us determine whether we're playing church or whether we're really encountering God. Are you ready? Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Pause. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes you just go through church, of, uh, church and religiosity and all this stuff, and you miss God completely. But, boy, when God shows up, it tends to mark time. He says, I need to tell you something, something crazy to happen. me. The same year that King Uzziah died, God worked in my life. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior when I was 15, two years ago. <laughs> stay with me, people. Stay with me. And uh, that was a long time ago in the 70s. And I'm not talking about the 1870s. I'm talking about the 1970s. And I look back at that moment in my life, that, that was the beginning of my journey with a real God, the real word of God, and not just religious motion. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was seated on a throne. Pause for a minute, friends. It's a crazy world out there. And I'm telling you right now, I have a message from God for you, and it comes from the old people of my church when I was young. The old people, when things were getting really bad out there, they would remind each other that God has everything in control by this statement. He's still on the throne. Yes, it looks like he's not on the throne, but he's still on the throne. Point to the sky with me for a moment and say, he's still on the throne. Point to your neighbor and say, I need to tell you something. God is still on the throne. He is on the throne, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. Watch this. He was sitting on a throne. He wasn't pacing the, t the floor of heaven worried. And he says, the robe of his, uh, the, the train of his robe filled the temple. Oh, my goodness, God's, the idea on these uh, wedding gowns and stuff like that, when you're at a, a wedding, the woman wears this, well, they used to a lot, but I'm glad that the new generation's kind of doing a little less expensive. Did I mention I have six daughters? And, um, and so I'm a little worried about all the money I'm going to have to spend on that. And so they're all this flowing gown kind of a thing. And, and basically the idea, the, the longer the gown, the more majestic the bride he says, when I saw God, he was so majestic that his train of his robe, what was following behind him, was so full that it filled the temple. In other words, there's nobody more majestic than the God of the Bible. All other gods bow to that God. There's nobody like God. 
Above him, this gets crazier, above him were seraphs. We know of at least two kinds of angels, cherubim and seraphim. Seraphs, literally the Hebrew for seraphs is to burn. And watch, it says they, they were, above him were these angels, each with six wings. Six wings! I've never seen an angel depicted with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were saying to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. There was nobody yawning in that church service. Can you imagine what would happen? I don't know. Do you guys have earthquakes here very often? I'm from central Illinois. We have other issues, but it's not earthquakes so far. Can you imagine if everything started to rock like crazy here and smoke filled this room and, and everything began to move? You guys, you wouldn't be like, oh, boring. You wouldn't say that at all, right? Went to church, it was boring. You'd be like, oh, my goodness, it was crazy. That's exactly what's happened. So my first point is this. How can you know if you're encountering the God of the Bible or just being religious? The first indicator is somewhere in your journey with that God, you will go Wow. Say it with me. Point to the heavens and say it with me. Wow. Say it loud. Wow. Say it backwards. Wow. You had to think about that, didn't you? You had to think about Wow. That's what it is. God is a wow God. And you know one of the ways you and I know that we're just being religious or going through church emotions is that you get bored. You get bored. Now, when I say wow, I'm not talking about God as always like, woohoo, it's awesome. It's not. Jesus said, in this world, you shall have tribulation. Can I get an amen? amen. Then he said this, but take heart. Why? I have overcome the world. Mic drop, Jesus. Boom. I have overcome the world. So, friends, the Christian life following Jesus, it's challenging. It's challenging, especially in the craziness of what we're in right now. But I want to tell you something. You will, somewhere in your journey, God will blow your little mind about who he is and how he's with you and how he's got this whole thing going. He understands. He's not afraid. He's not nervous. And all God's people said, well, the new amen today is, so look, about three of you. Good, great. Okay, good. Here we go. The new, the new amen today is, wow. That's how you know. My question to you is, when's the last time you went, wow, God? You know, so often we like the God who fits in our pocket and does everything we like. That God is not in this Bible. That's one we've concocted in this culture. God stands alone without a need of anything, and we desperately need him. He is our only hope. And he is a good God and nothing to be trifled with. Remember that. It's the fear of the Lord and the love of the Lord. At the same, that bill, that sounds contradictory. Welcome to God. Your little peon brain, my little peon brain, can't figure out how we're supposed to fear him and love him, but it's, that's how you do it. Wow.
Well, what's the next indication? Not only will you go, wow, in your journey with Jesus, you will also go, well, let me just show you. Verse 5, woe to me, I cried, he says. See the exclamation point in your Bible? Woe to me, I cried. Why is he in trouble? I am a man of unclean lips, and, my, uh, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord God Almighty. You know why some of you think you're pretty hot? You haven't seen God. You see God, you all of a sudden, you're not so hot. One of the greatest things that can happen to you is you have an encounter with God, and then you're paid. How's that? Hello. No? Turn down right now. Turn, uh, good. Ah, uh, there were we. All right. What was I saying? Do you remember? Wow. But not only wow, friends, listen to this. Whoa. So here's what I want you to do. Watch. When you encounter God, this is, this is just not good, isn't it? Well, you got to help me. Hey, seriously, this can't count off my time. Right? I know, I got a limit. You got to start me over or something. All right, very good. All right. Not only will you go, wow. you will also go, whoa. Point to yourself. Woe is me. Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. It's only when Isaiah encounters God that he's aware that he's not. It's only when he encounters the God of the Bible that he realizes how sinful he is. You know, in Christianity, you know people like this, how you doing? Praise the Lord, I'm always happy. Really? Are we on the same planet? Do we have the same issues? I think we do. Either you're not aware of them or what is it, right? It's just normal, right? It's normal. So when you see God, you see sin in your life. You know who I'm worried about? All those people who are always happy. It makes me wonder if they're encountering God. I have a special word for some of you. Some of you are in this room and you're like, this is who you are. You're like, I am so discouraged in my life. And I'm like, why? And you're like, well, every time I get going with God, I start reading the word. I start following Jesus. I start, you know, praying about my friends and stuff like that. And I start engaging God. And all of a sudden, I just feel so sad about how sinful I am. That sounds right. That sounds like you're really encountering the God of the Bible. And not religion. Religion says, you're okay. And we can do it without God. How's that working for us? It's not. But God says, when you know who I am, when you start a journey with me, I'll be active in your life. And when I'm active in your life, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to point out sin in your life. You, if you, do you see sin in your life? That's a good sign. That means God is at work in your life. And he's gentle. He's persistent 
but he's gentle. He'll call, he, he won't give you all the things you need to work on in one day. He's going to do one thing at a time, and we call that progressive sanctification. And it's a ride that looks like this <laughs> for everyone. Have you ever read the Bible and you're like, those people are so dumb. <laughs> they, God said to do something, they didn't do it. From now on, when I read the Bible, I look at those people and I go, that's my people right there. That's where I come from. That's how I am. I'm not any better than them. And I should be because I live in a day and age when the Holy Spirit lives in every believer. I have the written word of God. I've got the church of God to walk with. And I'm still painfully aware of my sin. All sinners, say this with me. Whoa. Point to this. Point to yourself. Whoa. You know what the Hebrew sounds like? Oi. That's, the, that's how Hebrew is. Oi. Don't say ouch. Say oi. Say oi. Let's be Hebrew. Ready? Oi. Woe is me. Woe is me. Well, when you quit playing church, you encounter God and you go, thank you. You'll go, whoa. But look at the next thing that happens in the story. He says, woe to me, I'm, I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then, circle it, circle it if you can, highlight it. Then, one of the seraphs flew to me. It's, it's, it's the next part of the journey, right? Then, it was only after I saw God, only after I confessed my sin. Because that's what Isaiah says, I'm in trouble. I am a man who has unclean lips. And then, then. One of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth. With the coal, he touched my mouth. Reminds me of that burrito I had before I came out in the green room. With, with it, he touched my mouth and he said, this touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is forgiven. How great is that? So when we go, God, you're amazing, wow. God, I'm sinful, whoa. But you're willing to forgive me and take away my guilt. Do this. What? <laughs> Do that with me. What? Exactly. Why? It's mind-blowing. I can't believe how good God is. Look at what he says. He says, then one of the seraphs flew with live coal in his hand. He had taken from the tongs of the altar and he touched my mouth. And he said, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Oh, my goodness. That is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're in big trouble, sinner, which is everybody. Even churchy sinners. And if you don't sin, you don't qualify for the grace of God. Good news, you qualify. <laughs> All people do. And that's the story of Adam and Eve. They sinned and from then on, every person after them, all of us, were born with a sin nature. You know what a sin nature is? A penchant to do wrong. Here's the right, here's wrong. Which do we like? I like the wrong. All of my kids have their mother's sin nature. 
and my sin nature. It's a toxic cocktail, I'll tell you that. Between the two of us, it's, it's a dandy. I'm telling you right now. It's surprising none of them are in jail, right? <laughs> Crazy. But here's the great news, all sinners. Not only will God forgive you, look at what the book says. Verse 7, see, let's touch your lips. Not only is your sin forgiven, how wonderful. I love being forgiven. I need to be forgiven. But it's better than that. You know what, why it's better? He takes your guilt away. Verse 7, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken. Have you ever done this? Am I the only one? Lord, I confess that sin to you right now. Two minutes later, Lord, I still feel bad about that sin. I'm going to ask you to forgive me. Again, you ever do that? You ever do it for like a whole day? Raise your hand. We located the sinners. All right, very good, very good. The really big sinners, which was all of us, right? And God says, not only will I forgive you. That's beautiful. If that was the only thing it said, amen. But this is the big part. He takes the guilt away. Now, here's what I know. I guarantee you in this room, I guarantee you in this room, a lot of you believe that Jesus will forgive you because you've heard about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We get that through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrection. That's good news. But I'm willing to bet a decent portion of us in this room today are still feeling a guilt about some of the pitiful things that we've done. And I understand it. And I've got great news for you. The God of the Bible who is so holy and all God's people said, wow, wow. And he showed you your sin and you went, wow. And then because of your confession, Lord, I am a sinner and I need your grace, and only Jesus can solve this. He says, I forgive you, and I take away your guilt. And all God's people said, what? It's almost too good to believe, but you can go to the bank on it because here's another passage. You read the Bible and you learn these things. Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The day you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, the blood of Jesus Christ saves you, takes away your sins, and you are no longer under guilt. Friends of, who are struggling with guilt right now, I encourage you to do something very, very biblical. Confess your sin, and that just means to agree with God. God, what I just did there, what I just thought there, Somebody dropped, you know, cut me off in traffic. And I gave him the international high sign. <laughs> whatever your thing is, whatever your thing is, call it sin. It's sin. That was sinful because I was angry and I treated another person like dirt, even though they were treating me like dirt. Don't get me going on that. And at that moment, you receive God's forgiveness and you believe that God does not condemn you. Why would you condemn yourself then? And you're like, well, that's too good of a deal. Welcome to the God of the Bible who's holy and scary sometimes. 
and yet so in love with saving you, he sent his son to die on the cross. What? That is such a good deal, such a wonderful thing. And not only does he do it when you receive Christ, for all you Christians who struggle with sin, which would be hmm, 100% of us, if we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, he is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not some, all. I stand here today as a fellow sinner saved by Jesus Christ who has a new identity in Christ, who tries not to sin anymore but still will and know that my God will never give up on me. I confess, I repent, I take it to the cross. And then I believe that there's no reason for me to carry that guilt. There's some people here today that needed that message. I don't know who you are. But walking under the guilt of that shame is not God's design for your Christian life. Today, you can be free. Guess what happens if you go, oh, let's come on now. I'm coming to the end. Come on. We know now. Do it with me. Louder. Put your hands up. What, are you afraid of being a Pentecostal? Come on. You Bible church people. Let's go. Ready? Whee! Again. Is somebody recording this? <laughs> you guys sound like you're from France. Wee, wee, wee. Um, well, let's see it. Let's see what the book says. I believe this book. It's inspired. Here it is. Then, see that again? It's only after you confess. It's only after you receive the forgiveness. Then. Then what? Then I heard the voice of the Lord. You know why some of you are reading the Bible not getting anything out of it? You haven't confessed and repented of your sin. It's amazing what happens when you do that. All of a sudden, the Bible starts speaking to you. It's alive. The Holy Spirit will make it alive to you. Then I heard the voice of the Lord. He's been saying to you, but you've not been tuned in. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall go for us and whom shall I send? No. Backwards, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then Isaiah says, send the pastor. Send my mother. Anybody but me, Lord. See, religious people, they like to just go to church. People who are forgiven are compelled by the forgiveness to share it with others. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah's like, me. I don't know what happens in this church, but when they need some workers and you see the person who's recruiting those people, do you run the other way? You're missing the point. The whole point of meeting this amazing God and confessing and repenting from our sin and receiving the blood of Jesus Christ as payment for our sin and forgiveness and no guilt there's only one thing left to do. Sign me up. Whatever, that doesn't mean you have to be a pastor. No. It means you, you do your home life different. It means you live in your neighborhood differently. It means instead of seeing people as categories, you see them as people that need Jesus. That alone will transform your life. And so you know what you do? You love them with God's love because he loved you. 
And when you live like that, it changes the world. God said, I saved you to send you. I forgave you so that other people will know that I can forgive them. I took away the guilt so that you could introduce your friends to me so I can take away their guilt. That's who I am. I'm the Lord God Almighty. I am to be feared and respected, but I'm also to be loved with everything in your life because I love you and I forgive you. Bring your sins to me. I will forgive you and I'll take away your shame. Now, I send you. I'm going to close with this prayer. Every time I'm here, I say this prayer, you're probably sick of it. But I'm going to keep doing it because I know no, no other way do I know how to do In the back, there's a little business side cards with this prayer on it. You can go to disciplemakersprayer.com if you'd like to just get on your phone and look at it now. I challenge you to pray this prayer every day. God saved you for a reason and it wasn't sitting on your fanny. He wants you to let people in your world know the good news. That they don't have to be religious and play church, they can know God. I'm going to pray it, you pray it with me. See it? Say it with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving me a disciple-making way of life in Christ Jesus. As I go through every part of this day, help me to love you and love the people who cross my path, starting with my family. Don't let me miss the adventures you're sending my way to live and speak the good news about Jesus today. Draw my heart to you and to specific people you want me to pull close for Jesus-like disciple-making friendships. By your word and spirit, transform me into a follower of Jesus who loves you, loves people, and makes disciples who make more disciples ad infinitum, in Jesus' name, amen.